keep underscore G U D underscore K E E F E stay punch drunk with the Punchy Panda Podcast. Punchy Panda Podcast is back. Thank you so much for joining me yet again. Hit me up on Twitter, keep underscore good. That's a G U D underscore Keith K E E F E or Karori Keefe. Either one is good for you. Appreciate you guys joining me. We're going to be breaking down that fight night card in Prague. One for five. Wonderful event. Got to talk about that wonderful event from Bellator as well over in Dublin, Ireland. Great new fight announcements as well. Man, what a big show. What a big show Tiago Santos put on for us this weekend. Defeating Jan Blotwich. What a fight. It was very back and forth, very even, which is something that shocked me just from the beginning. But in that third round, towards the end, it looks like it was only 39 seconds, gets that big knockout, just a a hook from hell, drops Blotwich, and then he just gets grounded, pounded out. And Tiago Santos has racked up four wins in a row now. It's knocking on the door of that title shot. Um, I don't know how active John Jones really is going to be. You know, they're both coming off of camps right back, you know, back to back, basically. So that sets up nicely. Or if, you know, top contender is healthy, Alexander Gustafson's there. You know, Glover Sachera is still in the mix. I don't know how far down he's the rankings anymore. But all big opponents for him. It's amazing. These middleweights are just changing the landscape of light heavyweight. Their speed is evident. And we'll talk about that a little bit um, later with um, Michael Olchaychuk. The speed is evident and the power comes up. And man, it was devastating in that main event. I'm going to skip down the card since I already mentioned about Michael Olyanuschuk. Maybe. What a big win over John Volante. Again, a light heavyweight whose speed was so evident in the fight. He was just landing at will without really getting returned. John Volante, as we know, is a big power puncher. But if you can get him early, you can stop him kind of cold. That's basically what he did to the body. Big body punch just sets Volante down and it was over. He just couldn't recover from that. Understandable. His opponent was very fast. He was very accurate. And I didn't even see the body shot the first time. I had to look at the replay for it. It was amazing. Great win for him as well. As well as Stefan Shrove in the co-main event. Finally breaking that three-fight winning, I'm sorry, losing streak. And getting a win via submission. It was looking rough for him in round one. But as veterans do, you always find a way to win. Um, the Lima was tiring out a little bit once he got on the ground and Stefan Shrove just worked that submission game. You got to remember Stefan Shrove has beaten a lot of great opponents and he has, you know, tied third in submissions, I believe in, um, if not the heavyweight division in all of UFC history, it's insane for a man that big to be getting that many finishes and that many submissions. He did muddle with retirement and double down on it a little bit on Air Hawani's show on Monday. So this is the really the swan song for him. What a way to go out. Showing true heart 
and showing that big men can come back too. What a fight. Also, uh, rounding out that main card, we had a so-so unanimous decision in the heavyweight division. Peter Yan announced himself to the top 10 with a victory over John Dodson. John Dodson just lost the number 14 at Bantamweight. We all knew the row was going to be tough for him after coming up from flyweight, but this is just not the picture that I painted. And of course, the indomitable first lady of MMA, besides Ronda Rousey, Liz Carmouche, um, defeated the local Lucy Pudilova by unanimous decision. Very back and forth fight. It's just Carmouche was landing way more, obviously had the takedown in the back pocket, and just showed overall she was a better mixed martial artist. Lucy Pudilova did have good moments. She is a pretty good talent, good shining star, but in this flyweight division, you know, it's going to be hard to get over Liz Carmouche, no matter who you are. Two notes that I did have from that main card, even though it was a, a middling performance in the heavyweight fight that opened the card, Abreu's nose was broken in the first round, and he was able to go all three rounds. And that's something that should be commended and something that definitely, definitely you don't see every day. As well as there was a little controversy over Dwight Grant's KO, if it was at the bell or not. Clearly enough time. Clearly his opponent was knocked out. And, you know, that's somebody that, you know, is a little bit older in the tooth, but is dynamic on the feet. We saw it on the Contender Series, and we, we saw it again in Prague. Dwight Grant's definitely named to look out for from that undercard. I want to mention that they made it um, apparent over the broadcast and said many times that over 15 fighters from the SBG team were represented on that Bell Tour 215 card. That is just a lot of money swinging Kavanaugh's way. What amazing products of the gym. And it was really a showcase for literally his entire camp. No, I'm not saying his entire camp, but the stars, the upper-comers from his camp. And that was really cool to see. But it was amazing that a major promotion could hone in on a one individual camp like that for most of the bouts. Pretty amazing. Overall, great card. A lot of talent coming from the SBG team in Ireland. I, I believe they, they've won almost... Uh, I believe they only lost like two or three of the bouts that they were a part of. So... Obviously, very dominant performances overall as a team. If we're, you know, I'm I, after I figured out that they're basically SBG versus the World Card. I started, you know, making this into a team sport, and I'm, you know, overall it was a B plus. You know, James Gallagher got his big win, which was something that we, well, we as in Bellator needed to sustain themselves in that market to have that big headliner that they can always go to the well with very impressive there and a lot of good talent coming out of the region no nothing you know too standoutish or noteworthy just one of those good old european cards on a saturday for bellator it was very nice and refreshing i like gallagher to continue to take some of these you know High profile, but low um, expectation fights until he gets his mojo back. And then we can go back out of those top contenders. But that big loss at Ricky Bendejas really stunted his development. And I really hope that 
these um his continued training will allow him to get better and he doesn't take one win and just um jumps off the um deep end i'm so sorry for his loss this week as well and hopefully he can use that as fuel to again like i said increase his development get better and use that persona to get more high profile fights in the future also made official this week the headliner well, I presume will be the headliner since Max Holloway is the only one with the belt. Uh, will be Max Holloway versus Dustin Poirier too for the interim lightweight championship. That's going to be taking place at UFC 235. Also, we know co-main event presumably will be Israel Asanya taking on Calvin Gastelum for the interim middleweight championship. This is um, this is booking is notable for two reasons one this is to my knowledge the first time a double main event is going to be for interim titles which is crazy to even think about in addition to that we have a sitting champion that is moving up in a weight class when there's a number one contender in that same weight class that's ready to fight, presumably. Of course, the one caveat to that would be that Tony Ferguson reportedly turned down the fight, which, you know, being two-time interim lightweight champion really doesn't sound amazing on the record. So maybe he's just sitting out waiting for Khabib. Khabib is sitting out, so, you know, you never really know. Man, it's just the chance for Max Holloway to increase his legacy, to get one of those wins back from early in his career is so appealing. I could see instantly why he would want to take such an opportunity, especially, believe it or not, guys, Featherweight has been cleaned out. There's nobody in the top right now except for Frankie Edgar, who is coming off of a great performance, but against an opponent, A, he already beat, and somebody who is... Not in title contention. Sorry. It's an interesting bout between Frankie and Max, but we can always do that anytime. We got a little bit of open space, so we might as well use it. Tony wasn't out, was out. Dustin Poirier needed an opportunity. All the top contenders are in limbo. Either they're suspended or sitting out. So the UFC played the cards that they had available in the hand, and I appreciate that. And who doesn't like a rematch with seven years in between? Great matchup. Interesting to see what's going to happen in it, and it's interesting to see what adjustments both make in the matchup. It's amazing. It is amazing. I don't know where Tony Ferguson necessarily goes from here. I believe that if Connor is a holdout or Khabib is a holdout, they'll use Tony Ferguson as the presumable pawn, just like they did with Khabib with Eddie Alvarez. And if neither one of them will fight, they'll use Tony Ferguson and fight. They'll make that for the undisputed lightweight championship. You see where I'm going here? You could play stickle all you want to, but you've sat out for a year, Khabib. 
will strip you. Connor, you haven't won a fight in two years in the octagon. We can sense you on the bench too. They have the ability to play both games. They can even do a situation where Khabib fights Tony. Or Tony fights Connor. So Khabib doesn't get that Connor McGregor rematch. But Connor still gets the fight if he's willing to sign his name on the contract. We saw a little muslins between Connor McGregor, Tony Ferguson on social media this week. There's always that Cowboy Cerrone fight that's lingering in the ether. Where's Nate Diaz at? So I feel like these negotiations come November are going to be very, very interesting. And I feel like hardball is not an option. And the UFC has made it the interim title as a way to negate hardball negotiations. Kobe Covington, you believe that you're the champion? Tyron Woodley, you're injured. You want to take more time? But we'll strap a belt on him. Khabib, you want to sit out? You don't want to fight in November? Okay, we'll strap a belt on him. And we'll move the show without you. We'll put a belt on him, let the fans recognize him as a champion, and then we'll strip your title and make him undisputed. And then you can come back whenever you want to. But we're going to keep the ball rolling. And I hope a lot of fans and a lot of fighters understand this because this is the era of the self-perpetuating locomotive. If you're not fuel to the fire, they're going to throw you off the tracks. But I digress. A lot of things are happening in MMA that are new and that are different. And we should celebrate these things. We should celebrate the fact that we have champions that are willing to fight and they're willing to fight regularly. Even if there's asterisks, even if there's picograms, even if, for whatever reason, there's a little confidence that the fight will actually happen. At least in the back of a fan's mind. A part of me doesn't want to attach that to UFC 235. The Nevada Athletic Commission has done everything they can to make sure John Jones is being tested prevalently and for that information to be getting out to us. So I would choose... To look at this review of the upcoming fight card this weekend in a positive light. So, unlike most people, I'm going to start with the undercard. Because there's so many fights that are amazing on this undercard. We have the return of Poliana Viana, One of Brazil's up-and-coming talents. We have... Macy Chazon, ultimate fighter winner, dropping down the bantam weight. The return of Mickey Gall versus the legend Diego Sanchez. And just out of those three fights, you can see the depth of the card. I don't know much about Hannah Schiffers, but Poliana Viana is a force. Macy Chazon is going to be humongous at bantam weight. So Gina Mazzani is going to have to do a lot of work to get inside of that reach. And we know that once it goes to the ground, her grappling is pretty good too. Mickey Garver's Diego Sanchez just sounds like either a bloodbath or a torture killing. But wait, 
There's more. There's more, guys. There's so much more. And like I said, this is just the undercard. I'm not even talking about the main card yet. We have Cody Stammen is back, undefeated, going against Alejandro Perez. That is going to be a marquee matchup in the Bantamweight division. Those are names that you've already been looking out for. But that's a fight that is going to be key in seeing who's going to move up that Bantamweight ladder. Bantamweight's hot right now. And there's a moment for anybody to make that next step. I want not to kick a man when he's down, but I want the winner of this fight to call out John Dodson. That could be a good way to enter that top 15. He has a big enough name right now. So I want John Dodson to fight the winner of that. Charles Bird. Yes. From Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series. He's back as well against Edmund Shabazian. I mean, if you don't know who he is, you should have seen his UFC debut. What a dynamic striker. Unbelievable matchup. It's going to be fireworks. I feel like the I feel like the undercard is just full of just just bangers one after another. Unfortunately, we lost the fight between um Marlon Vera and um Frankie Signs two again great bantamweights. But again, hopefully everything is okay there. Hopefully Vieira, they just know there's an illness right now. So hopefully we get a little bit more information on you know what his condition actually was to why he had to pull out so late. But again, always wish him the best. And really wish everybody the best going into these contests. It is amazing the level of skill in this undercard portion of this pay-per-view. These are just... The fact of the matter is, these might be... A lot of these fighters aren't even up-and-comers. Most of these fighters have made a name for themselves in the UFC, like Charles Bird and, and Macy Chesson. I feel like even the, the most not-known person would be Poliana Viana, and she's a beast. They got a lot to look forward to. And the top two... Fights on that undercard. Probably some of the most anticipated fights of the year so far. And one of them short notice. We have the indomitable Johnny Walker coming out of Brazil. Looking to go 3-0 and against the tank Misha Shurkunov. Who's hungry for a win right now. I wonder how the dynamic and unorthodox striking is going to go against... Serkinov, who we know will come forward with heavy hands and heavy leg strikes, and who can grapple. I just feel like this Johnny Walker's size is going to be something that we got to look out for. He's so big for this division. And he can end anything. He can end the fight with one shot anywhere. Something is going to have to look out for, but something Serkinov has dealt with before. Interested to see how this plays out. And of course, the return of Zabit versus Jeremy Stevens. This is his chance to prove his upper echelon ability against someone who's a perennial top 10 at featherweight. Uh, since basically it's conception. Someone who knocked out 
Rafael Dos Anjos at lightweight. Somebody who's fought the who's who's in two different weight classes. And this is time for Stevens to make a stand and to show everybody body shots hurt. It can happen to anybody. But I'm still a contender here. And I can take out either the old dog or the hungry lion. Either one. But Lil Heaton's going to have to put his sword up and his shield up for this fight. Zabit can do everything. And he will do. And he'll be looking to. So I just wonder how he responds to it. And if he can come up with undoubtedly be a huge win at this stage of his career. Now we can get into the main card. The main card has all the makings of one of the greatest cards in UFC history. Four out of the five matchups feature either former or current UFC champion. We have one of the most explosive fighters coming out of the strawweight division last year. Uh, uh, Wei Li Zhang versus Tisha Torres, the tiny tornado. Again, someone who's hungry for a win. And someone who's looking to defend her place at the strawweight division. Three wins in a row for Whaley Zane making her UFC pay-per-view debut. Coming out of China. They're looking for a big star. This could be her moment. But she has to get by one of the most battle-tested and durable veterans in this division. And someone who doesn't lose easily. Speaking of someone who doesn't lose easily. Cody Garbrandt coming off of his two losses to TJ Dillashaw is going to be looking to bounce back against young gun motherfucking Pedro Munoz someone who's proven himself in this division 4-0 multiple times but unfortunately he's going against a former champion here some a level that he's not yet reached we know Pedro Munoz can take a shot and we know he can deliver one as well who knows how great the choking ability for Pedro Munda is going to be. He has great chokes, but that team alpha male background is really going to make a difference in the grappling, I believe. So if this fight stands on a feet, I don't know what's going to happen. Is TJ Dillashaw, um, is the TJ Dillashaw effect too prevalent? And he's knocked out? Is he too battle-worn for those two contests? He has had a lot of time to recover, but... Maybe it's a little too late for his career. All those answers will be, all those questions will be answered then, on the night. But what I can say is, Pedro Munoz coming to fight, and he's coming to prove that he's in the top five of that bantamweight division. The revelation of Ben Askren to the UFC consciousness and the community of MMA overall has been twofold. It has been the dominance. He's shown inside of the cage and the charisma that he's also shown outside versus what we've been told by fighters, coaches, and promoters throughout the years. We have Scott Coker and the president of one both saying that he's one of the best fighters out there. We have former fighters and current champions praising his ability and skill. But we still have Dana White saying he doesn't have the hunger. He hasn't fought anybody. And we have a lot of current fighters, elite welterweights, who are skeptical of his abilities. We don't have to worry about any of this. One of the biggest stories coming out of last year was the trade, the first ever in MMA history, 
that allows Ben Askren to compete at UFC 235 against former welterweight champion Ruthless Robbie Lawler. And now we'll get to answer all those questions. We'll get to see the true extent of wrestling from someone who, as Tyron Woodley said it, has helped him out immensely in all of his camps. We'll get to see if we have another rodeo in the corner of the wonderful and the great legend of Ruthless Robbie Lawler. Can he do it again? Nobody knows. But what I do know is the charisma of Ben Askren will transcend this fight. Even if he does not come out victorious, he has done enough so far in his MMA career that has not started yet in the UFC to assure himself another big fight. Man. It's just amazing to me that Ben Askren, after all this time, has now become the the one of the faces of the welterweight division. He hasn't even competed yet. His strong connection with Tyron Woodley and the fact that they're going to be fighting back-to-back is going to fuel him. And I'm predicting that he's going to win this fight by decision. But you never know. Those hands of Robbie Lawler has always been dangerous. And at the end of the day... He's the veteran and the UFC champion. So the bank against him may sound a little bit biased and a little bit blasphemous, but the proof is in the pudding. I think Ben Askins ready to eat it up. Now we got to get into the co-main and the main event. First off, Tyron Woodley looking to make his, I believe, his fourth title defense in a row against Kamaru Marty from Nebraska Usman. Look. I went back and forth over the position, who I feel is obviously the more credentialed fighter, who I feel has the more skills, but I'll just break it down like this, and I just thought about this yesterday. Kamaru Usman is the younger, more polished Tyron Woodley, someone who saw Tyron Woodley's success, emulated it, and developed their own style around it. Will youth be enough to defeat Tyron Woodley? I'm not sure about that. He has someone like Ben Askren in his corner. Someone who has the ability to take anyone down. Going through that camp with that type of, uh, with that type of training partner, I just do not see the takedown being the route. Tyron Woodley has fought the, some of the greatest strikers the welterweight division has ever produced, and he's came out on top. So I don't see a striking route. But like I said, when you're fighting someone, if you can replicate their abilities and just be a tiny bit faster, a little bit more dynamic, land a little bit more, sap just a little bit more energy from your opponent, anybody can win. And anybody has the ability to make up that gap, especially somebody like Kamara Usman. So, officially, I'm going to say Tyron Woodley by decision. But Usman can just show up and show that he's a true force in his division for sure. John Jones, Anthony Smith, there's only one word to describe the fight. Well, technically, it's a name. Matt Sarah. We've seen underdog stories before. We've seen people rise to the occasion. And we've seen people 
beat the odds. Now, can I personally believe that if Anthony Smith beat John Jones, it's the greatest upset in UFC history, bar none. No one expects him to win. That's like the whole storyline behind the fight. He's a huge underdog. The biggest underdog John Jones has ever faced, even Gustafson. Man, but if Anthony Smith can do it, if anything that Tiago Santos shows us is that these middleweights moving up are legit. Not only are they legit, but they are ready to take the throne. Don't know if he has the juice to do it. I'm going to say John Jones is going to win second round submission. I see Anthony um, Smith leaving something behind for him, and he just takes it from there. But, man, what a crazy fight, and who knows what's going to happen if fucking Anthony Smith is able to win. Keep underscore G-U-D underscore K-E-E-F-E. Keep good Keith on Twitter. The Punchy Panda, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks so much for listening to what I think is going to be such a huge weekend in MMA and such a huge weekend that was. The hits just keep coming, guys. You always need the punch up with Punchy Panda Podcast. Again, hit me up at Punchy Panda on Twitter. Keep good, Keith. That's a G U D. Two underscores in between. Keep underscore good underscore Keith. You guys have been beautiful. You guys have been great. Again, if you want me to add anything to the show, and if you think that there's any fights that I missed, or if you just want to have a conversation with me, just let me know. Hit me up on Twitter. Get in my DMs. I appreciate that. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast, and punch up.